Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to the debut, the very first, the kickoff episode of The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast where we focus on all things the Dark Knight and his world. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host. Now, if you're listening to this first, I'd personally like to say thank you for embarking on this journey with me. I know there are a plethora of Batman podcasts out there, but what I hope to provide to you is something of a slightly different flavor. We will be diving into some seldom-covered topics in the Batman mythos, as well as the tried-and-true ones that everyone loves. Also, down the line, this show will become very interactive as we will put the reins of the show into the hands of you, the listener. So make sure you follow us on Twitter for more information. You can find us at TFR Batpod. did not want to start this journey alone, so joining me is a voice you're going to hear quite often on this show, Mr. Joe Fornerado. Joe, thank you so much for being here, buddy. I hope I did not butcher your last name. How are you doing? No, no, that is very good, actually. Thank you very much for having me, Eric. It is a, it is a pleasure to be on the first episode. Uh, I'm so glad you decided to start this podcast, and I'm, I'm really happy to be, uh, to be a part of the first episode. It's really, it's really special. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've I've actually I've wanted to do for a very long time, and it's just it's kind of daunting to start something like this. So, uh, it, yeah, it's I think it's going to be fun. We're going to see where it goes. Um, but for the first episode, uh, if you've listened to any other podcast where me and Joe have been on before, you've probably you've probably heard a little bit of what we're about to tell you. But uh, for the first episode of a Batman podcast, I really wanted to give the listeners an idea of, of what Batman really means to not only me, but to my guests. So, uh, Joe, why don't you tell me about the beginning of your Batman fandom, what Batman means to you, and how, just how you got started with him? Well, I, I remember as a kid, I, I, I would assume my first introduction to Batman was the 66 show. It was always on in the morning when I was a kid. I remember it being on after... I want to say it was on after like 21 Jump Street in the mornings or some, it was either that or Happy Days. I remember it always being on. They would show the two episodes back to back um, at around like nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. And man, that show was as serious as it could have possibly been for me when I was a kid. I loved that show. And then, you know, I remember being at a friend's house. And I was definitely too young to be watching it, but Batman 89 was on a lot of, you know, older friends I had, we were at like a family function and, and Batman 89 was on. And I remember just kind of like being in the room saying like, Oh, what's this? And, you know, it just kind of took off from there. I mean, it's just always been a part of my life since I can remember every iteration possible. Um, I've eaten it all up since then. 
Very nice. Um, and and <laughs> 21 Jump Street, that's, that's a heck of a callback. <laughs> I know. I just always remember the, the credits because I would turn it on to tune into Batman and I would always catch the credits of either 21 Jump Street or Happy Days. <laughs> right. Well, for myself, uh, mine's a little bit of a sappy story. Um, so when I was when I was little, obviously I I'd heard I'd heard of Batman before this moment. Like I had seen some episodes of Super Friends and things like that, and just obviously superheroes were were a cool thing. But in um, 1995, I was I was a little kid. Um, my my dad passed away, and it's just a a very depressing time for me. Uh, I was just a very, very sad little kid. And um, my mom, in trying to, to snap me out of it, to doing anything she could to, to turn the corner and, and make, me, make me happy again, um, she ended up taking me to opening night of Batman Forever in our hometown. And it, people have probably heard this story before, but I mean, it's just, it was amazing to me uh, to see this, the theater all dressed up for Batman Forever. There were huge banners with the green Batman Forever question mark with the logo in the center, and uh, it was like an event. It was like going to a theme park almost, and uh, just watching that movie for whatever you think of it now, um, it's still a sentimental favorite of mine. And, and watching it in '95 on the big screen as a little kid. It was it was amazing to see Batman in action, and not only that, but to see to see the the tortured side of Bruce Wayne, and to see that that he had lost parents. So, having just gone through what I'd gone through, I recognized Batman's struggle and Bruce Wayne's struggle. So from there on out, it was it, me and Batman had a link, and it's been me and Batman ever since. Um, there was a time where I fell out with Batman uh, shortly after Batman and Robin, because even as a little kid, I knew that was crap. <laughs> so it took a few years to get back there. Uh, Nolan's Batman Begins really got me back into it. And, and just ever since then, I've never looked back. Uh, constant Batman reader in comics, and Batman has brought me into the further comics world. Um, but it's he's just always who I go back to. So yeah, that's, that's Batman for me. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such an incredible story. I mean, when you, when you told that story on, uh, on superhero stress, when, when we first, you know, when I first heard that story, I mean, I, you know, talking to you as for as long as we did, it was, uh, it was heartbreaking to hear that story. I never, you know, heard you talk about it. And now ever since then, it's, it's really nice to, you know, like you said, whatever you think about that movie, for you to have such a, you know, an emotional connection with that movie. And, you know, it's, there's really not much I can add to, to that story other than, you know, um, obviously we're so sorry you had to go through that and everything, but it, it really is amazing what Batman can, can do for our psyches and, and to bring us back from, from really anything. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's what these characters are there for, right? I mean, they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be a beacon in the dark, and they're supposed to to make you feel good, and, and that's absolutely what Batman does for me. But um, with that being said, we wanted to kind of start this this show at the beginning of Batman, and 
Batman had a very interesting beginning. Um, so today, what we're going to do is we're going to cover a Hulu documentary called Batman and Bill. Uh, now, Joe, when did you first hear about this documentary, and what what did you know about the situation beforehand? So I'm now you put me on the spot with that. I'm trying to remember. I've read the book before the documentary, so I knew about the documentary the minute it came out. I watched it the day of release. Um, I'm trying to look now to see what year this came out. Um, okay, so yeah, so to preface that, the the book Joe's talking about, um, the the subject matter of the documentary is a man named um, Mark. What's what's his full name? Mark Tyler, Mark Tyler Nobleman. So he wrote a book. I think it came out in 2012. Okay. Uh, it's called "Bill the Boy Wonder: The Secret Co-Creator of Batman." Uh, so you you had read the book before the documentary, correct? Yes. Um, I want to say I got the book information from back in the. Uh, I want to say it was when I was really following BOF. I think BOF was the first one to really break, uh, you know, the information of the book coming out or it was either that or Kevin Smith. I know Mark Tyler Nobleman was on Kevin Smith's podcast and I heard him on there. If I'm remembering that correctly, I could be wrong. I might be thinking of someone else. Um, or Kevin Smith had talked about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a while. I'm sorry. My memory is not exactly uh, the best, but so when the book came out, I knew I had to read about it. And it's funny because in the documentary, they talk about, you know, like, you know, a lot of people didn't know who Bill Finger was. And it's funny because I don't remember as far back as, you know, when did I find out about Bill Finger? Um, mm -hmm. I had to have found out about it, you know, around the time of the book coming out. But I also like I don't remember just having this. I don't remember having this aha moment when I first learned about Bill Finger. I feel like the people I always paid attention to were always in the know on the Bill Finger situation. So I felt like I was kind of along with that, but I, I, I just don't remember it as well as I probably should. Right. Well, I'm in, I see, I was even further behind than you were because I was very late getting in, uh, getting into the listening to Batman podcasting game and things like that. So I didn't know about BOF for a long time. I didn't know about Holy Batcast and, and all these things, you know, where people just dissect Batman. Um, I knew I loved Batman, had all the movies, had all the books, things like that. But um, yeah, so it was for me, it, I was almost the exact same way as all these people in the documentary that uh, Mark talks to in the beginning. I, the only thing I knew was Bob Kane. I remember, do you remember the Batman and me documentary? That was, I think it was attached to some of the animated movies. I remember it was on, um, Batman Gotham night. Was that also part of the extended, um, special features on Batman 89 or that wasn't part of that? It may have remember. been. I I don't remember either. But anyway, but, um, yeah. It was, I mean, Bob Kane was always attached to all this stuff. I mean, he was right. He yeah, was a celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. So I was. That was for for me. All I knew was, whoa, this is this is Batman Stan Lee. You know. <laughs> yes. So, 
Yeah, I actually, and I wasn't a big watcher of the Batman 66 show, so I didn't even know that Bill Finger had written an episode for that. You know, I did. I knew nothing about Bill Finger. I did not know about that until this documentary. I will fully admit that. Even though I, I knew about Bill Finger prior to the documentary, I feel like that was a that was definitely a um, a shocking moment to me because I I feel like I should have known about that way earlier. But yeah, that was that was definitely really interesting how they took uh, how that was really his first writing credit was the Batman sixty six show. Right. Yeah, and, and we'll get there. Uh, but we should. We should uh, headline the premise here. So the premise of the Hulu documentary Batman and Bill is – and this is from Wikipedia – is that every everyone thinks that Bob Kane created Batman, which is what we just talked about. But that's not the whole truth. One author makes it his crusade to seek justice for Bill Finger, a struggling writer who has the key figure in creating the iconic superhero from concept to costume to the very character we all know and love. Bruce Wayne may be Batman's secret identity, but his creator was always a true mystery. The documentary focuses on the efforts of Mark Tyler Nobleman to find out about the history of Bill Finger, his involvement with creating the Batman mythos, how Bob Kane got all the initial and subsequent credit, and then refusing until his years later to acknowledge Finger as being a key contributor and Nobleman's efforts to find Finger's descendants and the legal battle to get Finger recognized as a co-creator of Batman. So that's that's the premise of this documentary. Now, um, going back to when you heard about this, did you watch this when it came out, Joe, or, or did you find it later? No, I watched this the day it was released. I knew it was coming. I remember following it very closely. And uh, I was very excited because I had read the book prior. Um, I was really excited to see um, how the documentary was. And I don't think I knew the actual premise of the documentary as far as trying to get him credit. I thought it was going to be just like the book where it was, um, you know, just trying to bring recognition to his name. And so I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised about all the stuff that the the documentary actually did do. Right. And, and I was uh, the opposite situation of you. I did see this when it when it first came out, because after um, BBS, I was so, you know, I was so involved in just trying to find out as much information as I could. That's kind of after BBS is kind of when I started diving into like I like I told you the the podcasting and things like that. And I can't remember what show or YouTube channel or something I was, I was watching um, when I found out that this was coming to Hulu. So like you, I was waiting for the opening day. I didn't even know this was based on a book at that time. So unlike you, I didn't have the book. I got the book after watching the documentary and realizing that nobleman had written the book. So um, yeah, all of this came as a complete shock to me, which is kind of strange because if you look at the documentary, this has been something that's gone on for a long, long time. Lo- I mean, way before the, um, the even the book, there were attempts to get credit for Bill Finger be- from family members or, you know, there, there was newspaper articles, all kinds of things. And, and I had just never heard of this. Yeah, and not, and not only the family members, from very, very big comic creators um, that were always, you know, 
trying to push for for recognition for him or at least just try to put his name out there so people knew about him and uh yeah what was really cool just to go back to the book real quick what's really interesting is mark tyler nobleman i guess writes children's books and what was really Mm -hmm. cool is the book is actually written in that style to fit the rest of his other work the book is a very quick read if i remember right and Mm -hmm. um it's just a very it's almost like a cliff notes version of uh of the story of bill finger yeah and you don't you don't obviously this was written five years, six years before the documentary. So you don't get as much in the doc, in the book as you do the documentary because things had not progressed like they do, you know, in the time of the documentary. But um, yeah. So when we open this documentary, you know, we, we get this backstory of Mark Nobleman and, and his history and his fandom. And then it kind of just dives into this, this uh, process of, him doing the research and I mean, talk about dedication. I know it's impressive what the Zack Snyder following has done, you know, with the movement to get Zack Snyder's justice league made. But man, you're talking about an entire group of people. It's even more impressive what Mark Tyler Nobleman did just by himself. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he he made it his – and what was really cool is like as he was doing this, he was discovering things that he wasn't even trying to discover. And like he really did make it his mission to to find whatever little he could about Bill Finger. And talk about – it's not like you're trying to find out about someone that, you know – grew up in the 60s and 70s where you could find out pictures and you know this we're talking about something from 1939 it's 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 quite a task to find someone that literally he didn't want the publicity so he really wasn't this guy that would have put himself out there today let alone back in 1939 and yeah, it, what what Mark was able to do is really really impressive by himself. Um, when you when you see him talk with his kids and his wife about how you know they they were almost like uh, consumed with this just as much as he was because he would just talk about it at home and his kids would you know it, really cute interactions with him and his family. I, I will say that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, well, I mean, Mark became a detective because I mean <laughs> he interviewed people that knew bill finger years and years and years before um because at what year did bill die do you remember it was I thought i had that let's see i, I want to say it was the 70s i think it was the 70s yeah so i mean it he had to do a lot of digging to find you know people that lived near bill and just knew of bill and things like that not only that, but to actually dig and find family members of, of Bill. It, it's impressive to me, the the links that Mark went to. Yeah, Bill passed away January 1974. There you go, yeah. Yeah, so it's not an easy task to, you know, try to find someone that passed away. And we'll get into the details of poor Bill Finger's life. But, I mean, this is a guy that passed away in 1974, and you're trying to research him now. Well, yeah, because at the time he, uh, when he started this journey, he could find what two pictures of Bill. 
Yeah, it was the joke. He had the, the picture of him cutting the grass in the backyard. Well, yeah. I think he discovered that picture. That wasn't even one that, you know, currently was, was out there. But yeah. It, <laughs> there was a picture of him with a ball cap, like a side profile view, which is still like the most circulated picture of Bill Finger. And the picture of um, of Bill playing golf. Yeah. And from those and two Bob pictures. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Yeah. Um, and from those two pictures, he ended up finding like 11 more. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it just like I said, the, the links that he went to is impressive. But he, through his research, he realized that. Um, so Bob Kane was trying to figure out how to capture this success that Siegel and Schuster did with Superman. So he went to the publisher of National Allied Comics, which is now DC Comics. And basically uh, wanted to know how he could do the same thing. And they said, well, make us another superhero. So he went home and over, over a weekend, he came up with a very basic rudimentary design and a name. So the original design of Batman had like a red suit with a domino mask and wings that attached to his arms. And it, even Mark says in the documentary, he knew that that alone wasn't going to work. So he called in Bill Finger to help him. And basically, Bill Finger came up with everything else that we know that Batman is today. And, am I getting that basically right, Joe? Yeah, and it's it's such a, you know, to credit to this documentary, it it has become like a known thing now. Like everyone talks about this whole situation where – I would assume, and again, this is like, it's not revisionist history, but it's like, I can't remember a time where I didn't know about this story. And because this story has become second nature to all of us now, where it's like, yeah, you got the, you know, this is Batman, guys. Don't you, don't you see this is Batman? And it's like the red, you know, leotard. And, you know, he doesn't even have a cowl. He's got the domino mask and, you know, the rigid cape. And it's like, that's not Batman. But yeah, Bill Finger then came up with everything. He came up with the cowl, the logo, the all sorts of stuff that that add to the mythos and then we'll get into even more on top of that besides just the look of batman and um it's just it's amazing that bob knew what he had wasn't good enough he goes to bill and bill turns it into what it is and and then you know bob goes back to the studio i mean into to the comics uh you know to national comics and says okay this is what i got what, which and which apparently wasn't a very strange thing at the time. Um, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody questioned anything. Nobody questioned the use of ghostwriters or anything like that because apparently a ton of people in the comics industry had ghostwriters. So well, credit to Bob Kane. I mean, listen, <laughs> morals aside, he knew what he was doing because at the time this wasn't something where you ever got rich or got famous off of but bob wanted that he stroke he strived for that and damn him he was successful at it like he he did this not because he was a creative and i i think it was todd mcfarlane in one of the interviews um basically said like most creators they create something because they want to create it and if it you know people read it or love it whatever bob wanted to to create something that was going to get him popularity and famous oh, yeah. and rich. That was his goal. And Absolutely. he made sure 
that it worked. Yeah, Bob and, Kane wanted to be a superstar. Yeah. And yeah. he was the right guy for it because he it wasn't like he was shy and timid and he just wanted a different life. No, he, he had the personality to embrace all of this too. And it, it worked. And I mean, growing up, he was the face of Batman and it's hard to look back. And I mean, for lack of a better term, look at him as the villain because he did still play a big part in Batman being what he is today. It's just sad because of, you know, and I hope I'm not getting too far ahead of it, but it, it's sad when you look back at, you know, Bill was the one that did all this. Bob made sure he got the credit, made the deal. And then, you know, we'll talk about what happened after that. Well, yeah, because um, it was in the, it was in the sixties after, what was it? It was after the first Comic-Con. When, um, well, what um what are you referring to at actually the uh, the 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 letter that circulated around the the Batman community? So yeah, there was the letter, and then there was um. I'm trying to remember what the letter was. I remember more than anything with the uh, with Jerry Robinson and Carmine Infantino really going right. to bat for him. Right. So Jerry found out that <laughs> he he didn't he was like us. He didn't know these things. Correct, because it was Jerry that wrote the letter. That I don't remember, but no, Jerry, the same thing happened to Jerry. That's why I think Jerry was, so Jerry was the co-creator of the Joker. Yeah. And Jerry actually didn't get much credit for that either. Bob Kane, I think most of the time took credit for all that stuff. Right. And yes. So anyway, so in this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't remember much about the letter. I'm, I'm sorry. Go, uh... so there was Go a ahead. Le- so, <laughs> so there was a letter that was, that was written and published um, ar- around the, the comics and Batman community in the 60s that basically outed um, Bob Kane as uh, taking credit for for the sole creation of Batman when Bill Finger, in fact, was the co-creator and created most of the, you know, most of the attributes that we now contribute to Batman. Um, and Bob lashed out at this. So that that's what was the most stunning to me, is basically, like, after Bob was caught and outed, he denied and pushed back at, at everything that was being said. Oh, without a doubt. He had plenty of times to come clean on this. And I think that's what's so hard is it's one thing, like when this was first starting out and Bill was okay with this and, you know, Oh, you know, Bob took credit. Bill was happy to be the sidekick and just do his thing and keep quiet to himself. And, but after the fact, once Bob made all this money he still just kept doubling down on everything. He never wanted to give any credit whatsoever to Bill. He he went even as far as saying he drew a picture of Batman when he was a child at 14 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what my favorite part about that drawing is it's dated and signed. What 14-year-old kid dates and signs a Batman drawing? 
And he literally like tried to pass it off as a legit drawing when he was 14 years old. And it was hysterical that, but again, why would we have, you know, at the time, nobody even thought to question it. Right. Well, and you know, what was craziest about that to me is, um, so there was a, there was an audio, audio interview recording that Mark found from 1972 with with Bill Finger and it's like one of the only audio clips of Bill Finger that that exists and Bill was basically you know Bill laid it all out there about how much involvement he had in creating Batman and years later is it was that interview where Bob brought out this sketch that you know I did this when I was 14 so I mean it's like if an if an interview like that were to come out today, it would be huge. It would be everywhere. But in 1972, you know, these things just didn't get much press. I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, they just kind of disappeared, went by the wayside. And I mean, Bob even it seemed like Bob never really even did anything genuinely. It, in the 60s, another thing that really caught me was there was um some type of art gallery or something to promote the 60s tv show and he he did all these lithographs and he took credit for every one and he did not draw any of them yeah he had a ghost artist for that as well yeah like it was just i i think i'm more amazed that everyone just went along with this like it seemed like he just knew the right people to help him you know do his thing and People kept going along with it. I mean, he would draw these pictures and he'd be like, this is the first Batman drawing I did. And you look at it, you're like, that doesn't even look like the Batman from Detective 27. Yeah, that's that really stuck out to me uh, on my rewatch the other night was uh, the cover of the book, Batman and Me. He's, exactly, he that's point- exactly what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. he points to that picture of Batman and he's like, this is this is the Batman from from the first issue of Bat- of Detective. And I'm like, no. <laughs> First and ironically, all, he did draw it. Like, he did draw Detective 27, but has he become so, like, just totally, you know, disillusioned to everything going on that he can't even remember what it looked like? Well, yeah, and that's that's what a strange that's, – that's a really strange part of this to me is that Bob Kane really could draw. Yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of him actually draw, you know, quick sketches of Batman, and it it's Batman. I mean – it looks like Batman, but it's so strange to me that he, he wanted the fame, but it didn't seem like he really wanted to do the work for it. Yeah. I mean, he, he was not a, you know, I, I keep going back to that thing that Todd McFarlane said was he was not your genuine creator or your creative. He, he was doing it for all the wrong reasons, but I mean, to like I, I keep saying to his credit, and I don't mean that to be disingenuous to the situation, but he got what he wanted. It worked. And it's sad because it really did. It put him so high up in everyone's mind. And financially, I mean, he he got wealthy very quickly. I mean, he made a deal and he even like was so coy talking about his deal to people because he loved the fact that he got this deal to keep getting credit for Batman. And it was, I mean, he was, and he was a showman. He loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and 
I mean, obviously, this documentary does not paint Bob Bob Kane in a very good light at all. Um, but yeah, the, the amount of you, you brought up Todd McFarlane, the amount of interviews that that um, Mark got for this documentary, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, he's got um, Michael Uslan in there. He's got Kevin Smith, Todd McFarlane, um, Carmine Infantino, Jerry Robinson. It's it's pretty cool. The amount of people who he had to talk to talk about this subject with, and also, did you find it interesting that the that he actually had clips of the Bob Kane documentary in the documentary? Yeah, you know, I didn't even really think about that. So obviously, he had to have gotten approval from from WB to do that. I never really even thought about it. Um, yeah, and you know, clips from the red carpet of Batman '89. It looked like, which is. I'm assuming from the documentary. I mean, I, yeah, he, and he, you know, like you said, to his credit with the, with the people, a lot of people wanted to be a part of this to bring light about Bill Finger. Cause as creatives, they all sympathized with him. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. It struck me as odd that, cause they don't exactly paint DC in the best light in this documentary either. So it was just – it's very odd to me that he somehow got permission to show these Bob Kane clips, and I don't know who owns that documentary. I don't know if it's DC or Warner Brothers or if it's the Bob Kane estate. I I have no idea. Um, or legally, I wonder if Michael Uslan had some pull with that. Being a, you know an executive producer on every Batman film, he, he might have some pull with that. Very well could have, yeah. That's the legal side of things that, you know, he's probably smart enough to figure out how to do certain things. And and honestly, it could be a way for DC to save face to promote this type of a movie because it's showing, okay, yeah, we definitely screwed up, but we're trying to make right on it. I mean, <laughs> not uncommon for Warner Brothers, but... <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But at, at any rate... um so in Mark's investigation, uh, he, he, he comes across family members, as we've said, of Bill Finger. Um, he, he ends up finding out and, and yeah, watch the documentary. We're not going to cover every single detail, but um, we end up, he ends up coming across Bill Finger's son, who is Fred Finger, who we end up finding out died years before um and it, it seemed like a dead end because you know um they, he found out fred was gay and he had passed away of aids and he didn't think there was you know any descendants after that but he ends up finding through other family members i think it's uh fred's cousins or something like that am, am i right about that joe i think it was because they asked about the cousins they're like well did you talk to fred's daughter or no right. i'm sorry was it fred's what was it fred's fred's daughter fred's, yes, yes athena did you talk to fred's daughter athena and he's like what fred didn't have any kids and they're like and he he was joking like cuz i would know that more than you know his cousin and right. um they're like no like fred had a daughter and he's like but he was gay and they're like well you know um fred had a daughter prior to you know him passing away and you know it it takes us to a really emotional moment for mark meeting the daughter and 
and really an emotional moment for the daughter also. I mean, he, you know, he called her and, and spoke to her and, and there was a lot of, of turmoil with the family um, because of the whole AIDS situation and how when Fred passed away, the daughter didn't get much closure with his, with his passing because he felt like he needed to be with other, other members of the, I would assume it's the he wanted to be with other members of the gay community who were also suffering from the same issues with the AIDS epidemic. And he felt like that was more important to him than, you know, his family getting that closure. And I, I don't want to, you know, get too much into that, but I really felt for Athena because, and Mark obviously was in a rough spot because he wanted to talk to her about her father and she just hadn't talked about her father for the longest time because of everything that was going on. And now she's in this situation where she's learning about her grandfather from Mark and, you know, they're having these conversations and learning about him through each other, which was really cool to see. I, I think it, that was a really, that's when the documentary really does take a really emotional turn where, yeah. Like, it's just, there's so much to this story. We didn't even get into, you know, Bill's death, which is definitely one of the saddest parts of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's cover that because uh, we, we find out that as, as Bob Kane is just, you know, living the life with the TV, the success of the TV show and just all the success that Batman had, um, Poor Bill Finger is just, uh, he lives in a, in a rundown apartment and he ends up dying alone in this apartment with eviction notices on his door. It's just, yeah, just, and first of all, the, the little animated scenes in the documentary, I thought were really cool when the documentary opened. And then it just becomes very sad when you see like the animated scene of, of a, a rendering of Bill on his couch, the TV going and, and, and you know that he's died alone in this apartment. It's just, it's very, very sad. Yeah. His friend, Charles Sinclair um, plays a big part in the documentary and mm -hmm. learning, you know, he's the first one to discover bill had passed away. And um, I got that name. Correct. Right. Charles Sinclair. Is that him? Yes. Okay. And uh, he had even talked about like, you know, bill, Bill kept writing, but he was writing for like carpentry articles and he wrote for the army pictorial center and he just, he did things to try to make ends meet. And, but to find out that he was literally, you know, when he, when you pass away and they didn't find him for a couple days. And like you said, the, you know, a small apartment, the, the, the illustrations or the, you know, the little animated sections really are heartbreaking. They do a great job of, of doing like, it's better than those reenactments that you see on like, uh, you know, E true Hollywood story or whatever. Like it's, it, it fit this really well. And, mm -hmm. but yeah, the, the way that poor Bill finger passed away with, with no family, no friends to, to even discover him. I mean, it says he died of natural causes. He was young, but there was no cause of death. He was just, he just passed away and that was it. Well, and, and what was even, I mean, it, yeah, the whole situation is just devastating, but it was also sad that for the, for the single episode of Batman 66 that Bill wrote with his friend, Charles Sinclair, 
Um, it was so sad hearing Charles say that that Bill asked him, "Do you mind if if I get top billing?" Yes, because all I've ever wanted is is top billing, mm-hmm. and <laughs> that that was really sad. And then the fact that Charles knew that all Bob had or Bill had, excuse me, was a black and white television, and he could not allow him to to watch this episode on a tiny black and white TV. So he took him to the ABC studios to watch their episode of Batman on a big color TV screen. It's, it's uplifting and it's sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we go from that into, into Bill's death. Um, and then into Mark Nobleman finding Athena finger. And and the thing is, it was very neat. Oh God, it shows you how long ago it was that he found her on MySpace. <laughs> yes, yes, that was definitely telling. On you don't realize how quick time goes when it's like, oh, MySpace. Wow, this is this is definitely longer ago than I thought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I had honestly, I had forgotten all about the MySpace thing until I rewatched it the other night, and then I was like, oh yep. crap, MySpace. That that dates me. I feel old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, found her through like a friend of hers. Oh no, that's right. Found her through like a band, and then the mm-hmm. band member said, "Hey, you got to go on her MySpace page." Yeah, it's it's almost like you can see the the colored pieces of string with the with the um, thumbtacks connecting the dots yes. here <laughs> that Mark yep. had going on. But yeah, he and and the neat part was that uh, her dog on her MySpace page he noticed was named Bruce Wayne. Yep. So that's what made it click was I found her. This is it. Yeah. So she knew the story. She knew who her grandfather was. And it was kind of sad again when he was first initially interviewing her when she was talking about, you know, kids in school picking on her because she would, you know, she would tell them my grandfather created Batman. And she was ridiculed for it because nobody believed her. Yeah, and it's it's the parallel of Bill. I mean, it's you know, she's telling the truth here. The same way, if Bill probably did this, people would have said, "No, you didn't. You're crazy. We never even heard of you. Like, how could we have never heard of the creator of Batman?" Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the whole thing with Athena and and the fact that you know, this then became. I don't even think we even touched on this yet, but it became the the mission for him to try to get Bill Finger credit. You needed to find a living heir to Bill Finger. And Athena became that person. And it was a lot of pressure for Athena because she she didn't know if she wanted to be a part of this or to even you know, to, to really come to terms with what happened with her family, she then became like the face of this whole thing. And it, it was a lot for her. And, and, you know, she did get up the strength to, to do this. And I give her a lot of credit because to everyone else, it was about Bill Finger. It was about this man that none of us knew to get credit for a, a character that we loved. But for her, it was really coming to terms with everything that had happened in her life between her father and a grandfather she never met before. Right. Well, and, and going back, I mean, the family had tried before in the past to get bill credit, 
Um, and even he had um, Mark had found uh, Bill's second wife, Lynn, who you know who said that when the '89 movie was was coming out, she tried at that time to get him credit on Batman '89, and it, his second wife, as long as well as other family members, and his granddaughter Athena had tried before, and they had always been t- been told it was impossible to do, and it would cost too much. Yeah. So it was all boiled down to, to money. You're trying to fight, you know, a, a, a giant conglomerate. Yeah. So and what was what was really interesting to me is um, is that Bob Kane actually, before he passed away, uh, went during the you know the the writing of his book. It seems like he showed regret. And he actually came out and said, you know, Bob uh, or Bill Finger should have gotten way more credit than he did. But yeah. he still wasn't willing to to take the steps to make sure he did, because at the end of the day, that would mean a cut in money. Yeah, I don't. It's so weird to try to figure out, because, like, at that point was he not willing to give up the cut of the money or was it still that stature thing where he loved seeing just his name there because he clearly did have regrets, but it was almost like a half-assed regrets. Like, yeah, he exactly. Didn't, like he regretted it, but not enough to do something about it. Kind of the same way where like the family talked about how, like when they would go to the studio and they would treat you like family, but then do nothing to help you out. Like, Nobody was willing to actually go through the trouble of correcting this wrong. They just made it sound like they understood where you were coming from, but that was as far as it went. Right. Yeah. So Mark actually encouraged Athena to reach out to DC, which, I mean, I can see where that would be daunting, you know, to just, just to even make the call and and say you know hey i am bill finger's granddaughter i mean can you imagine they didn't even cover this in the documentary but can you imagine the scrutiny that she probably went under as dc comics and warner brothers tried to make sure who she was who she said she was i'm almost curious if that went one of two ways where it's either the person's like who the heck is bill finger or the person responds and goes, oh, crap, it's someone that knows Bill Finger. Like, <laughs> like you don't know yeah, which I mean, way it went. <laughs> you're probably right, yeah. Uh, Where it's like, Bill Finger, like, no, Bob King created Batman. Or they, or you get someone that actually knows the story and they've been trying to, you know, keep it hush-hush. And they're like, oh, no, the Bill Finger thing again. Like, what? Uh, why did I have to take this call? Right. Like, and- it's, it's just so crazy because, like... It's it's you know at this point I don't remember what year it was when when she made this call, but I mean this has been going on since 1939. I mean granted, you know it hasn't been a an issue since 1939, but we're talking about something trying to right or wrong, you know, 70 years ago. Well, so it, it had to have been somewhere around probably like 2000. Well, before that, because uh, she went to the premiere of The Dark Knight. That's right. You're right. I forgot about that. So yeah, this was a long process. Yeah. So I'm very curious. Uh, Like I said, the documentary doesn't cover it, but it would be be very interesting to know what the process was like of them verifying who she was. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, which they probably just had to get uh, Mark Nobleman's notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he pretty much did all that work for them. Yeah, much to their chagrin, I'm sure. But uh, like, I, so DC at this point sort of kind of welcomes Athena Finger into the fold. They start bringing her to movie premieres, like like I said, like The Dark Knight and things like that. But it's it's still not, you know, okay, we recognize who you are. We're not going to go so far as to give Bill credit, but, you know, we'll we'll include you in things. That's that's what it seemed like. Yeah, that's that was that, you know, that quote that she said that was so telling where she's like, you know, they treat you like family. You you walk in and they, they roll out the red carpet for you, but nothing ever gets done. And that's pretty much what it felt like to her was they were doing everything they could as long as they didn't have to change anything as far as credit or money goes. Right. Well, they even went so far as to start sending her like royalty checks. Mm hmm. They were sending her money, which um, one I can't I can't even remember who said it now, but someone in the documentary said, "Well, it's 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 hush money, basically. They're just trying to get you to go away with money mm-hmm. because and it not, w- it would cost not less." The amount send, of money uh, that was not the amount of money that was probably owed to her. <laughs> right? Yeah, it would cost much less to send you a ten twenty thousand dollar check than it would to uh give you the the inheritance that you truly deserve <laughs> um and then it was so yeah 2012 when the dark knight rises was coming out was the year that dc tried to get her to sign over the rights yes they tried to they tried to have her sign something to say we will i'm trying to remember if it was we they were going to acknowledge it but not Basically, like you said, like they were going to hand it over to, or she was going to say, I will not do anything further. Like they were going to acknowledge that this happened, but he was still not going to get credit. And that was it. Well, yeah, they, they were basically trying to, to get it to where they didn't have to do anything to, to change the credit and the byline. And that they didn't have to keep sending her money pretty much, <laughs> which, it, which was the point where, um, I think from further encouragement from Mark that she sought the help of, of lawyers, mm-hmm. which her sister, her sister, her stepsister or something like that was, a, was an attorney. Yeah, um, that's she came in and, and we start, they started to interview her and she was giving a lot of information on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and they, and, and she reached out to a, um, like a copyright attorney. Mm-hmm. And, and they basically started the process of, okay, what would this take? And basically they knew that it was going to cost an enormous amount of money to fight, <laughs> to fight this big industry giant yep. like, like WB. And basically they bluffed is what, is what she made it sound like. You know, like they knew they didn't have the, the resources to fight them, but they were going to act like they, they did. And uh, it it worked, which is it, it's the most amazing and craziest part of this is this little family took the fight to D.C. And, and it ended up working out for them. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever caused this bluff to work or whatever, you know, caused this all to happen, that was the turning point. And for whatever reason, it did work. And that's when 
really the wheel started turning on all of this, you know, came to fruition. Yeah. So DC announced um, in September of 2015 that going forward, Bill would be credited as the co-creator of Batman, starting with season two of Gotham and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which I find so ironic that a Batman or, or excuse me, a movie subtitled Dawn of Justice was where Bill got his first credit. Yeah. Very, very suiting. Yeah, it, absolutely suiting. And it, it was just, it's it. The end of this documentary makes you feel really good. I mean, it's still, it's still utterly depressing the way that um, Bill died and that he was buried in a, in a potter's field. They never really did tell. I don't think they ever discovered his actual plot or anything like that. So they, they may to this day still not know where Bill's final resting place is. But all that said, it's a really awesome ending for the documentary. It's, it's amazing that Bill finally gets credit. Um, and that his family is now taken care of because because they deserve that legacy, and it was it was really cool for Mark too because it was such a fitting end of this journey. Well, so do you want to discuss the theory behind Bill's resting place, or do you want to leave that to people for when they watch it? Oh no, we can discuss. I mean, look, this is a this is a four year old documentary. Yeah, because that's that's honestly the best part of the documentary. And man, talk about a tearjerker too. Like you don't expect it, but there is a lot of emotion in this documentary um, for people that we have never met, and it's for a character that we care about. But you, I didn't expect it to be as emotional it was as it was. Yeah. So when, when you get to that Potter's Field part in the beginning, and you're like, oh man, like. Wow, it could not be worse than that. Like it says, like Potter's Field is where you know you're buried. If there's no next of kin or no family to you know, you know, do anything with the body. And for the the length of the documentary, you assume that's where Bill Finger was was buried. Well, and it, we have to caveat this. Um, this portion is not confirmed. No, so we don't know that this actually happened. But if it did, it's amazing. Um, so it's one Mark, of those things where if, if this, it seems like it's so perfect that there's no way it could have happened. Yeah. It's but, almost too perfect. Yeah. Like, but you want to believe it. You really do. Oh, I absolutely want to believe it. But anyway, Mark learns that, um, there's a possibility <laughs> that Fred Finger had obtained uh, his father after death and had him cremated and that he took him to the ocean and he with drew in the sand with his finger the bat emblem, the bat logo, and basically filled out the bat logo with Bill Finger's ashes and let the ocean take Bill's ashes out to sea. Which... As you said, I mean, it's 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 almost too perfect, but I, I still want to believe it because that's 
that's just way better of an ending for for an icon like Bill Finger than to to be buried in a potter's field in a pauper's grave. Yeah, considering what Bill went through throughout his entire life of just the unbelievable aspect of the negativity, I want to believe in the unbelievable <laughs> as far as his death goes and and hope that he did have that that hero's burial that he deserved because he got none of that while he was alive. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this, this film, this documentary has a lot of moments that'll choke you up, but for any bat fan that hasn't seen it, even if you know the story, it's absolutely worth the watch in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, I don't want to say it's, you know, um, it's mandatory, but it it is definitely one of those things where you owe it to yourself to at least learn a little bit. If you, if you know enough about Bob Kane, you owe it to yourself to at least know that Bill Finger was a part of it. And ninety minutes of your time, learn learn about the story, learn about the situation. It's tough seeing Bob Kane painted in this light because, and like Mark says in the documentary, he's like, I didn't know Bill as I mean, I didn't know Bob as a person. I just know this side of the story and what was done to bill. He's very careful to not go out of his way to bash Bob, uh, Bob Kane, but it's hard to look at Bob Kane the same way after learning about all this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And to be clear, the, the accomplishment of Bob Kane, I mean, it can't be taken away. he, absolutely is a portion of why we have Batman. And I mean, for whatever you want to say, I I think he's definitely painted in a different light than he was at one time, but he is still a major reason that we have Batman. So I can't take that away from him, but it, it sucks that it sucks that he did what he did. And, you know, in a, in a time like we live in right now, we talk a lot about trying to separate the art from the artist. And I think if if you can't separate the art and the artist when it comes to a Bob Kane, knowing what we know, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Never read Batman again because of this? You know, like it's 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 actually a good example of sometimes these things happen and you just got to kind of have to look past it and just, you know, he still played a big part in the character that we love. We just wish he would have shared that credit with someone that deserved it. That's all. And he was still a, you know, what he did to Bill Finger aside, he was still a great ambassador for the character of Batman. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's what, that's what he wanted. He, he he was he he played it up till the end. I mean, he was he loved just being that guy. And well, and and he was a he was a very good friend of Stan Lee. I mean, yeah, they were they were always doing interviews together and hanging out together and things like that. And it's it's even even that relationship. I mean, Stan Lee was nowhere near. Um, well, at that time he kind of became more of a showman with his cameos in the Marvel movies much later, but he was nowhere near the, the flashy showman that 
Bob Kane was. No, and you, but you could even go as far as saying, and I'm not saying this to bash Stan Lee. Please don't get take this the wrong way. But Stan Lee is kind of that celebrity face for Marvel that overshadows, is it Steve Ditko or a Jack Kirby? I mean, those are all people that had a lot to do with those characters just as much as Stan Lee. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes it goes to those people that are more comfortable being in the in the public eye. Yeah, for sure. Now, what's interesting to me is, yes, Bill Finger now has the credit that he so justly deserves. It's it's really interesting to me, though, that the credit always reads Bob Kane with Bill Finger. That's I've, a legal thing I remember hearing. There is a reason for that. See, yeah, I, I assume there is a reason. I just don't know what that reason is. It's just so interesting that, you know, like, when you see the Superman credit, it's Superman created by Siegel and Schuster. But the Batman credit is Batman with – or um, Bob Kane with Bill Finger. The with is just a very interesting thing to me. I know it's it's it's, it's a legality. I just don't understand what the legality is with that. Yeah, so when it comes to writing credits, there are, differ- there are differing reasons for with, the word, and – the symbol, the ampersand, like there is different words or different meanings for why. It's like when you watch a TV show and it says um, starring with like everything has a connotation with it. And I don't know which one represents what, but it all has to do with legalities and how much of a percentage of credit each person gets. Um, I'm sure there's a, a financial reason for it, too. I mean, that's probably the biggest reason for it. Yeah, it has to be. It's way beyond my scope. <laughs> but anyway that is batman and bill so final thoughts what 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 are your thoughts on this documentary joe um definitely and i apologize now my dog is barking as we're coming to an end (laughs) um (laughs) definitely go check this documentary out it is a great way to just get a 90 minute version of the story of you know, it's the untold story of the creator of Batman. It's it's everyone knows Bob Kane, but do you know the story of Bill Finger in a nutshell? And I think it it really, you know, brings that to light to show you that it's not what you always thought it was. If you don't know this story, um, here's here's the story on this other person that probably had more to do with Batman than you ever knew. And so I I definitely recommend it. It's on Hulu. If you have a Hulu subscription, it's there. It's been there since it was came out because it's a Hulu original. I didn't even realize that it actually is a Hulu documentary. So mm-hmm. go check it out. Yeah, for sure. And if you haven't seen it, it and you're a Batman fan, I I will disagree with with what Joe said. I actually think this is required viewing <laughs> for for Batman fans because <laughs> I mean you got to know you got to know the history of the character if if you're a fan. And this is this is probably the most monumental piece of Batman history. And I I was worried about the like the rewatchability because once you know the story, you know the story. But I haven't seen this since 2017 when I first watched it. So going back to it, there are a lot of pieces and parts that I had forgotten. So 
Yeah, it's a, it's actually one of those documentaries that has a little bit of rewatchability, especially for just not only the story, but then there's the artistry. I I love the little the little art stylish scenes that they do the uh, for reenactment purposes. So yeah, I I absolutely think this is worth your time. It's a it's an excellent documentary, and I'm so glad that it got made, and I'm so glad that it the effect. And, and the goal that Mark Tyler Nobleman was going for was accomplished. And Bill Finger has credit for what he truly deserves. Having said that, Joe, thank you so very much for being on the very first episode of The Fire Rises. I appreciate your contribution, sir. Well, thank you again for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, this This was definitely a really great idea by you to have this as the first episode. Um... Yeah, this documentary, like, just to echo what you said about it, just to for a documentary like this to keep your emotion on the second viewing is is definitely a, a great thing to say about any documentary. When you know where it's going and you know the outcome and it still gets you in the heart, um, really great. So thank you again for letting me talk about this with you and, and giving me an excuse to rewatch this. So hopefully um, the listeners will, will take that opportunity as well and, and really dive into this and, and learn more about it. So, I mean, I would hope that most of them have already watched this, but if they didn't, Hey, even, even better, go check it out. Absolutely. And where can the folks listening find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as J 11. I'm on uh, Vero as Joseph Fornerado and Facebook as Joe Forno. Um, I'm trying to keep away for a little bit. We got we got nine days, I think, in counting till uh, till Justice League. <laughs> so I'm trying to stay off and all that stuff as much as possible. But I'll, I'm still floating around once in a while, so you can hit me up on there. Excellent. And again, if you'd like to find the show, you can find it at TFR Bat Pod on Twitter, and we're going to have some more social media presence coming out soon. And if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Vero, at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. Thank you so much for joining us for the very first episode of The Fire Rises. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back next time. And remember, it's not who you are underneath, but what you do that defines you. was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with AT&T, Warner Brothers, or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening.